I'm Tim Stauffer, and this is Registered. After a long break, we're back with a special episode. September is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, a time to spread the word about actions we can take to prevent suicide and to change the conversation to one about healing, help, and hope. In that spirit, I sat down with Michelle Hoig, the Director of Adult Services at the Southeast Kansas Mental Health Center. Michelle, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Well, I wanted to get started and first by saying that if you or someone you know or if anyone listening to this podcast knows someone who is considering or thinking about suicide, please call or text 988. That's a a new number um, that was just recently activated, but please reach out. Um, Can you tell us how people can get in touch with the mental health service, uh, the mental health center services? Of course. Um, So at our agency, we currently have seven locations across our six-county catchment. Um, Each office has a main number um, that you can contact 24-7. If it's after hours, that main number rolls over to our after-hours contractor that's always going to connect someone with a qualified mental health professional. Um, So also we do have a 1-800 number. Um, So you can call 1-866-973-2241. Um, And that will connect you with our agency 24-7. Thank you. Yes. And we'll have all that information in the description of this podcast. To just kind of jump in, Michelle, this is a really uh, difficult topic for a lot of people to talk about. It's uh, scary, but it's also something that I think... I find myself reading about more and more. It seems to become a huge issue in the United States. It's um, one of the leading causes of death. It's the 12th leading cause of death right now in the United States. And it's something that um, really seems to dominate a lot of the conversation around mental health. What's going on? What's going on with suicide rates? What's kind of behind all this? Or, or I'm sure the causes are multiple, but, but what's driving all of this? Yeah, so um, there's a lot of data that shows after a pandemic, suicide rates will spike. Um, so, and I feel that individuals are dealing with more and more stressors. Um, So there's more life demands that people are having to balance. Mm. Um, There could be a a history of trauma um, as an individual ages. 
that trauma or the impact of the trauma becomes more severe if left untreated. Um, but I think a huge piece is our world has been in turmoil for the last two and a half years with the COVID pandemic. Hmm. And, and this is something that um, we see really acutely among men. I was struck to see that 79% of all people who die by suicide are male. The world's been in turmoil for men and women um, and people of all different types of backgrounds. What's going on with men specifically that's driving that problem? Yeah, um, and so men typically choose more lethal choices when contemplating suicide. Um, so unfortunately, men have a tendency to die by a suicide where females may have more attempts. Um, because males may use more legal, or sorry, not legal, um, more lethal mm -hmm. means with substances, with firearms, um, and other modalities that they might choose. How do you guys work and talk to young men, men of all ages? What's your message there? Yeah, so I mean, for anyone who is struggling or having a challenge, our message is going to provide hope. And so a huge piece is individuals are a lot of times taught to internalize problems. Um, keep family challenges or problems within the family. And so our goal with anyone who walks in our door is to help that individual externalize some of those challenges or struggles and try to paint a picture of hope by looking at those situations from different perspectives or even helping them look at it from a different perception and look at patterns that can kind of change some of those life stressors. Right. Yeah. I'm thinking specifically with men, a lot of the man up or, you know, the hyper masculinity images of, or, you know, messages of, um, Emotion basically equaling weakness, yes, right? I yeah. mean, the idea is that um, any of that is is feminine and um, puts you in a situation where you can really be ridiculed. Yes, and our society has kind of taught that too, like boys don't cry or men don't cry. Um, and so I do feel at times males are kind of taught to suppress those feelings and emotions 
And so when they become stressed, if they continue to internalize and don't utilize their natural supports or professional help, that stress keeps playing over and over within them. Um, but that happens for both males and females, right. depending on upbringing um, and coping skills that are taught throughout their lifespan. Right. No, and, and, and it's important to note that you're, 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 I mean, more women than men attempt suicide, but as you said, men are, are four times more likely to die from it. Um, one of the questions I had, too, was just, you talk about support systems and, and natural support systems. Is it easier for people to find help than, than in the past? I think a lot are in, about um, how we're less involved in community life than, than we have been in the past. And that's just nationwide, right? I, I think about church attendance, civic group engagement, um, you know, just all those sort of factors that seem to point to more of us being more alone than at previous times. Is that something that you guys see? Is that, is that a real deal? And, and how is that affecting mental health and, and, and eventually suicide? Yeah, um, so I think that's really real right now because we've just gone through this COVID pandemic. Um, our churches, you know, had shut down just offer telehealth. Um, our agency for a brief time shifted to telehealth. And so we sold businesses shut down. We sold mm -hmm. restaurants shut down. A lot of our community activities had stopped um, and they were just starting back up. But individuals are still anxious about being around a lot of people. Right. Um, they're also kind of struggling with the stressors the pandemic created for them, whether it's loss of job, um, reduce funding or income. Um, obviously, our economy of things are more expensive right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. um, so that has posed a challenge for people. But I think a huge piece is here in Allen County, we have a lot of activities happening. And so just being open to trying new things. If you're going to a community event, inviting someone mm -hmm. to go with you. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not originally from here. And so when I first moved here, I wasn't aware of all the resources we have but Allen County has great things. We have Farm City Days, we have Bible Vesta, we have the Farmer's Market each week. 
And so just kind of invite your neighbor, invite others to go with you when you're doing those types of things to one, ensure people know about the community activities, but secondly, to help people get back out of their homes and not continue to isolate. That isolation is, is dangerous, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, just for our mental health and for our, yes. our well-being. Yeah. I'd like to mention some of the demographic um, aspect of this because apart from American Indian Alaska Natives, uh, non-Hispanic whites are the ethnic group or the demographic group with the highest rate of suicide in the U.S. And, and that's a large chunk of Allen County by, by far. Um, non-Hispanic whites are, are the largest population group here. What's going on there? What's some of the, the um, reasoning or, or the explanation that, that leads for whites to be at higher risk than others for suicide? Is it part of the isolation and the weakening community bonds or is there something else to that? I think a large piece is the shift towards isolation. Um, I think also individuals, um, just what does the family demand of that individual and also that individual's perception of what they have to provide and contribute. Um, I do think we have seen some shifts in family support isn't as strong as maybe it once was. A lot of family units have two parents working, um, kids are going to school, involved in more activities um so i think just those households are constantly running mm -hmm. and it has become more difficult to make ends meet um mm -hmm. no i i so there's an economic aspect of this as you see yeah strains on families being pulled because everybody's at work all the time. And that's a social thing too. I mean, we feel like, especially after two years of work being our primary form of <laughs> socialization and communication with people. Um, and then when your kids are hyper-programmed and doing 18 different things a week, there's no time to actually sit down and ask, how are you? Yes. Um, what about as, as we look at... Um, you know, the LGBTQ population, there's some real risk factors there. And I, I think any conversation around suicide has to note that LGBTQ youth are, are, are more than four times more likely than straight youth to attempt suicide. And transgender adults um, are nine times more likely to attempt suicide than the general population. You know, that's really frightening. I think if if you know anyone who's transgender or L part of the LGBTQ population, that's um, really worrisome. I mean, we should all be concerned about that. What, you know, how do you guys, or how does the Mental Health Center um, 
address that staggering disparity and, and, and what are things that we can all do as a, as a, as a community, as a culture, as a society to, to combat that? I mean, that's a big, that's, that, that was really worrying to me. Yes, um, me too. Um, so as a center, a big piece of what we do is assess for risk of suicide or harm. And I think a big piece is listening non-judgmentally. And so being present, allowing the individual to talk or speak about what is happening and truly trying to put yourself in that person's shoes and the experiences that they're having. Um, And the other piece for our staff is just trying to help them have hope. And so look at those opportunities of acceptance or explore what is helping them feel more comfortable in their own skin um, from a community or society perspective. Um, I think a huge piece is acceptance. Mm. And so when we think of this population is they just want to feel comfortable in their own skin and be accepted for who they are, just like each of us. And so um, I have a 17 year old, um, so she shares frequently just other people's perceptions, her own perception, um, and something that we're constantly having a discussion about is people who are important to you or people you care about, you want them to be happy. Mm-hmm. You want them to be confident and comfortable with who they are and just kind of recognizing like what's right for me isn't always right for you and vice versa but we can still respect each other and I think that's huge with the population in any population to just be able to respect people's right if you are having a difficult time understanding it don't make assumptions ask questions politely respectfully and show this person you're willing to listen non-judgmentally i think that's a message that a lot of our politicians need to hear because when you start talking about listening non-judgmental attitude acceptance asking questions i just you know in the back of my mind i think of some recent headlines that we've had in our paper this week about um, a record number of books being banned this year and the majority of them come from authors who are of color 
or queer, you know, and you think just how many people can't feel comfortable in their own skin if they feel like they're not even allowed to be seen. They're not even allowed to use the restroom in school as, you know, that's currently up for debate in, in the Chinook public school system. Um, and, and they're not even able to read books about themselves. Um, what are worrying signs or what are some warning signs, I should say, or, or risk factors that, you know, being part of the LGBTQ population or being transgender is, is a risk factor, but what are some, some red flags? Sure. Um, so a couple of suicide warning um, factors are going to be um, isolation. So withdrawing from family, friends, activities, um, that can be your number one sign. Um, extreme changes in behavior. Um, so this can be a more manic behavior, risk-taking, um, just making choices they wouldn't previously make, or this could be more a depressed mood. Um, so doing, again, that isolation, tearful, emotionally reactive. Um, other things to kind of consider is an increase in substance use or use of additional substances. Um, the other piece is like if they have something important to them and they start to give some of those important things away to ensure those things are going to be taken care of if they threaten to harm themselves or someone else that can be a sign. Um, there are a lot of things that can be signs and symptoms. And so if you're close to someone, um, just watching for any extreme changes in behaviors um, is kind of the best tip. Mm-hmm. When I was reading preparing for you coming over, that sometimes those warning signs never happen. And it's just a 15, 20 minute window of really bad decisions that can lead someone to attempt suicide. And and, and so when I think about that, I think about firearm safety, just making sure, and I know that we can never reduce the, or, you know, completely eliminate the threat, but I, I talk, I think about reducing it. What are some tips if, if you have firearms in the home? What are some things that, that you can do to make sure that um, they're kept safely, you know, and, and, and that, you know, your, your, your child, God forbid, or, you know, somebody doesn't just grab them in a fit of, of, of real uh, trouble and, and, and use them in a, in a suicide attempt. Yeah. Um, So with gun safety, of course, you can get trigger locks. 
um, they always advise to keep the gun and ammunition separate, um, locking the gun in a safe or a security box. Um, Any time we're working with someone who's had thoughts of harm, suicidal ideation, um, we advise for the guns to be removed out of the home. Um, so if there is any thoughts or any threats as a family member, making sure that access is completely removed. Hmm. If you have kids in the home, um, just recognizing kids are curious. Kids have a tendency to be more impulsive. And so that's where you're gonna wanna ensure your guns are locked up. And just kind of the advice if your children know there's guns in the home and they've been raised around them, they might have some gun safety skills, but that doesn't guarantee other people in your home have those same skills or knowledge. Well, thank you, Michelle. I I really appreciate your coming over, especially during such an important month. Um, And again, to everybody who's who's listening, if you or someone you know is struggling or in crisis, there's help, call or text 988 or visit 988lifeline.org and you can reach the Mental Health Center at sekmhc.org. Um, Thanks, Michelle. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. Okay. We'll see you next time. Registered is produced by the Iola Register. For more episodes, subscribe to Registered wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Registered or find us online at iolaregister.com slash registered. To support our work, please consider subscribing to The Register. You can find out more at iolaregister.com slash subscribe. And thank you.